Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie, and welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about truth. Well, that sounds boring. So before you before <laughs> you, before you, you jump off of the podcast, listen, there's some important things that we want to talk to you about as far as truth uh, mm-hmm. and, and how you know truth, because we are in a world where we are constantly inundated with lies. Mm. I mean, you think so about just advertising on TV. Advertising on TV is designed to make you dissatisfied with your life, yep. with what you own, with who you know, with where you go. How you look. With your, how you your look. Your relationship. Yeah, you got it. I mean, it's all that stuff. And so we're constantly debating that. And if you have a strong stance or strong understanding of what is true – then what is not true will have virtually no impact on you, no matter how much you hear it, hmm. right? That's good. So you can be told, well, you know, you could be a child that's very intelligent could be told they're stupid all the time. And at some point, they might actually begin to believe that. But if they're anchored in the understanding of, no, I'm not stupid, I'm smart, and they know that, it's going to be really difficult to tell them enough times that they're stupid that they'll actually begin to believe it, Right, right. So what I think about uh, about truth is that we really need to get the truth so that when we are impacted by untruth, we can be rooted in the truth and not be swayed by the untruth. So if we want to know what is true and what's not true in any given situation, we have to have a proper understanding of the fullness of truth which we find in God's word. Is that what I hear you saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I think it's important then that if people are asking themselves, how do I even know if I'm being deceived? Because honestly, I think most of us don't know sometimes if oh, we're being man. deceived because the things that we're told oftentimes seem really close to the truth. Mm-hmm. Because those are the best deceptions, right? The ones that are like the truth, but you change it just a tiny bit. We see that. What What did Satan say uh, when he questioned uh, Eve? Well, he questioned first of all. Did first of all he twisted her statement? He said, "Did God really say you could not mm-hmm. eat of all the trees in the garden?" No, God, God didn't, didn't say, say that. that. And then when he, she says, "If we eat of this, the tree will die," he says, "You will most surely not die." Mm-hmm. But what he did was he redefined the word "die." Yep. Yeah, you're not going to drop dead right this moment, but you're going to you die spiritually, and you're going to die eventually. Exactly. Whereas you wouldn't have before. You would have been alive spiritually, and or, you know, and as far as in you would have not been overwhelmed by sin. Sin nature, yeah. Right, and you would have uh, lived, been able to eat from the tree of life and live forever. Hmm. Yeah. So, so he did the same, and Satan did the same thing in the wilderness with Jesus when he was tempting him. Yes, absolutely. And what was it that Jesus did? In order to defend himself against the attacks of the enemy, he spoke the word 
accurately and truthfully. Mm-hmm. We spoke the word back to him. And that we'll come back to that in a little bit, but that's a key, isn't that's it? That's a key is speaking that out. But when we're looking at the world around us and we're thinking about these deceptions, many of them are things that sound good and we want to believe. Yeah, plausibility because if, it is key because if you tell a lie and it's plausible, most people are... Um, you know, our brains are designed to take shortcuts and to be mm. expedient. Yeah. And uh, they, we have these things, we do these things that are called heuristics. Mm. Yes. And so yeah. a heuristic is like a, a shortcut. So, and then you also have these things we do that are called, they're, um, uh, they're called fallacies, but they're in that same family as heuristics. And they're, for, for instance, uh, something that's often mistaken as racism is, uh, let's say a banker, is is a white banker and they're going to give a loan to a, uh, be asked for a loan to a, ba- a black family. Now that white banker might be a racist. Let's let's be honest. There are people who are racist in this world because this world's full of sin. Right. But that li- that banker, no matter how good of a person they are, is probably going to be less likely to give a black person a loan, not because of the fact that they're racist. But because the heuristic in their brain tells them, trust people who look like you, don't trust people who don't look like you. So mm-hmm. it's like you learn to trust the people from your tribe. And so that's going on at a subconscious level in the back of your head. So the only way to deal with that is to become really aware of it and then to have accountability, mm-hmm. uh, things that help you process, right? So what you really need is you need something that has objective truth. So that's why you have, well, let's run these numbers, let's run these processes, and then it doesn't matter what you look like. On paper, it says you're a great, you're a great risk and it's a great loan, and so I make the loan, right? Mm. Well, the Bible functions the same way. Yes, because the Bible is the place where we can go that has uh, the truth and application for every situation that we're going through. No, the Bible doesn't uh, say, okay, here's uh, what you should use if you want to bake a cake. Here's when you should use egg whites, and here's when you should use <laughs> whole that eggs. That explains why my baking's so bad. I've been using my Bible to make <laughs> recipes. Uh, you know, or, oh, I want to know, is 2 plus 2, 4, or is 2 plus 2, 22? We're not going to see that in, in the Bible. Now, there is that bread recipe in Ezekiel. Yeah, like, exactly. the Ezekiel bread, which you can actually buy bread that's made with towards that recipe, the right. Ezekiel bread. But what the Bible does give us is it gives us facts about who God is, mm-hmm. about who we are, about mm-hmm. how we can relate to him, about how we can be saved. It gives us principles for how we should live our lives. And so we can take those principles and apply those to any situation that we are going through. So we can gain knowledge that is truth, and that truth can lead us into making good decisions. Yes, absolutely. But, but let me go back to the banking analogy. The, the The truth is you shouldn't be racist in your decisions, and so um, and you should judge people fairly. That's the truth. And so let's say everybody's on board with that truth. But they haven't dealt with that heuristic that I mentioned, which is that, that sub-process mm. in the back of their brain. They haven't built in fail-safes. And I think beyond the intellectual knowledge that we, that we get in the Bible, there's also the experiential knowledge that we get that, that changes us, right? That's what erases those or mm. rewires those heuristics so that I'm no longer a slave to those subconscious thought processes, right? So I spend time with the Lord and I become more like him. I spend time with the word and I get a sense of what is true and what is not true. Right. Because if you are spending time in the word, you're being spiritually transformed. 
Right. You are growing in Christ likeness because what have we what have we said time and time again? Engaging with scripture is one of the most powerful ways to abide in Christ. Mm. Because the Bible is the book of Jesus. And you know, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Jesus He's- is truth. Yes. And the Bible is his book. The, mm-hmm. the Bible is truth. Right. So that's the place where we need to be looking. Because I think that there are things in this world right now that we're being told that seem good, that seem plausible, that seem true. Follow and your heart. Fo- yeah, follow your heart. That sounds very positive, yeah. very yeah. good. But if we are, uh, if we have, have had our minds transformed by scripture, we can very clearly hear in our mind from Proverbs, the heart is deceitful above all things, mm-hmm. right? Or something like, uh, there are many ways to heaven and all religions are valid and it's all just about being kind and loving each other. But Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but Except through, me. through me. And you can't get around that. Mm-hmm. There is no other name under heaven by which one can be saved. Mm. You know, and we see many verses in the Bible that back up that truth, that concept that Jesus is the only way. I think one of the big things happening right now in, in uh, Western culture, specifically in America, is that uh, people who are motivated, I think evil motivation, uh, I think it's I think it's satanic and demonically motivated, but they are motivated to divide people in as many mm. ways as they can. They want to divide yes. us by race. They want to divide us by gender. They want to divide us by uh, uh, by our political um, ideals, by our political ideals, culture. by our social status, mm-hmm. right? And that that is for the world. That's not for Christians. No, right? I mean, the truth no. is. That, you know, Jesus says there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ. So for mm-hmm. Christians, God made us male and female, but that's about the only distinction. Then there's just a distinction of how far along you are in your journey to Christ-likeness. Right. And those who are further along the road should help those who aren't as far down the, mm-hmm. along the road. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, but how many races are there? There's only one race. How do you figure that? Well, here's the thing. There's one race, which is the human race. Mm -hmm. But I guess you could actually say there's a second race, which is the most important race, which is that there is the Christian race. Right. If you are a Christian, you are part of the body of Christ, and that has to supersede everything else. You're no longer an American Christian. You're a Christian who is an American citizen or a Christian who is born in America. You're no longer a uh, a white Christian or a Hispanic Christian or a black Christian. You are a Christian who's from Mexico or a Christian with brown skin. So ideally, I would have more familiarity, more commonality, more um, of a, a better possibility of a relationship with a Christian from Timbuktu Mm-hmm. Than with a non-Christian from next door, who looks just like you, you know, so speaks really your same language, <laughs> speaks your same language, has your sa- <laughs> I hear. It. Keep going. <laughs> has your same cultural background, education, anything like that. You should have more in common with the person who is Christian, but who has a completely different race, ethnicity, cultural background, personal history, than with somebody who is similar to you in all those ways, but has not been transformed by the Spirit of God. And I think you just kind of went sideways into an important truth. The person who is that neighbor and has all those similarities 
having the relationship with them is easier. It mm. takes less work. Yeah. Believing untruths is frequently easier. It's easier to believe. There's a good side. There's a bad side. I'm on the good side. Everything the bad side says is wrong. Everything my side says is true. Mm -hmm. That might be true in the sense of like good versus evil. But when we go into politics or we go into economics, when we go into, uh, you know, even like different views on uh, different scientific issues, things are not black and white like that. And there can be people on both both different or different perspectives that have aspects of truth or they have some truth, right? So and and, and but we just want to agree, agree with what our group says because it's it's, it's less easier work. because then we don't have to think. Yeah, you know, I always think about there was this picture that went around when when uh, uh, President Obama was in office, and it was a picture of President Obama uh, sitting in a Mus in Muslim garb as a young man uh, with another man in, in Africa, supposedly. Well. That's very if you if you were anti Barack Obama and you were or you were a conservative and not a Democrat, a Republican not a Democrat, and you didn't want him in the White House because you didn't agree with his politics or for whatever reason, it was really easy to believe that picture was true. But you know, it took very little research for me to look at to, to find out that that picture was actually photoshopped. It's a wow. And given the time that it was done, it's like. A, a amazing very well Photoshop. done <laughs> very well done i could never pull something like that off even now with more advanced technology but yeah it was it was a photoshop picture and wow. but if you are inclined to dislike a person then you it's really it. easy to believe something that's that's not true that doesn't take any work and i think that's probably what we see a lot uh, really just on social media we see mm -hmm. that a lot uh, whether it's on the news or right. in books or even in sermons there are things that are said that sound good to us or they sound like something we should be agreeing with because they line up with whatever particular stance we might hold and we just take it at face value instead of being a Berean Right. And what did the Bereans do? Tested the it. Bereans tested everything against scripture. And that's what we have to do. And that takes work. But here's the thing. When you're first trying to familiarize yourself with scripture and have scripture transforming you, it is harder in those beginning times because you're feeling like every single thing you hear, okay, got to go get my concordance out, got to check out the Bible, see what, what it says. But when you are so familiar with scripture, that it is truly written on your heart, when it has transformed you spiritually, it becomes amazingly easy. You would be shocked how easy it becomes mm -hmm. to to know, oh, that's not right. Oh yeah, people will say things to me and they'll say, Oh, my 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 uh, you know, father in law, he really is a real Christian and he said this and I'm like Nope. Mm, that's, not, that's not biblical what he said, but okay. Right. You know, and because you if you know the Bible you're be you will be able to know incredibly quickly, incredibly quickly what is biblical and what is not biblical, and even knowing whether to respond to what my friend just oh, said to me about their yeah. father-in-law. Should I respond to this? Should I not? Even that can be guided by scripture and given because it's not always right to respond or to correct, mm -hmm. right? Because the right what's the loving thing in that situation, right? Because yeah. that's one of the truths we have, right? Right. Is, is the, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, like, so for me, the way I want to be loved, because it's about, we always think about, oh, I want, I want to think how I want to be loved and I'll love someone else that way. Okay, but you got to go down that road a little bit further. It's not just about how do I want to be loved in, in, the, in the action of it. It's how do I want to be loved in the spirit of it. 
So, for instance, if I'm in the wrong, I want somebody, somebody to calmly and respectfully explain to me where I'm in the wrong so that I can be in the right because I value truth highly. Somebody else may not want to be corrected. Right. Or they may not, or they may need you to be very gentle and take a long period of time to do it. But getting back to our discussion of truth, uh, we're, we're starting to slide a little bit um, towards awesome, other awesome topics. <laughs> you know, the thing, the key that you mentioned earlier is we've got to have the Bible mm-hmm. because the Bible is the truth. Uh, you know, Jesus says in John 17, 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Mm-hmm. And that's where God's word is written down. His word is truth. And so um, one of the reasons that we teach the Bible is because we know the truth will set us free. We know truth is so important. Mm-hmm. And the primary reason why we're involved in bringing Bibles to the persecuted church is because we recognize that without the Bible, without the word of God, they don't have a chance. And they're being constantly inundated with untruths Yes, by their government, all the time. pastors are leeches on society. Christians are are evil, and they're and they're and they'll they'll blame bad things that happen in the society with, on the Christians, mm-hmm. and they more you know so so desperately need to the be truth. able to anchor themselves in truth, so they need their Bibles. Because when when you bring someone a Bible, you're bringing them Jesus. Mm-hmm. You're bringing them the truth. Yes. And that is what people need. People don't need more explanations. They don't need more political opinions. They don't need more, you know, psychology. They don't need they don't need any of these things. What they need is the truth. So when someone tells me, you know, I need to someone does me wrong, I need to get even, I need to demand my rights. Uh and and how do I how do I get to the place to where I know that's not the right answer, where I know, well, Jesus never demanded his rights and he didn't, you know, respond when people said per- negative things about mm-hmm. him. Uh, how do I you know that's in, in first Peter? How do I, how do I get to that point? The only way that you can get to that point is by saturating yourself in scripture. And we've mentioned this a couple different times in a few different episodes on the podcast about ways that you can do this. So Mm -hmm. we won't dive super deep into it, but you really do this by spending real time in God's word, which means you're reading it, you're listening to it, you're memorizing it, you're putting it up places in your home. So you're, you're finding as many ways as you can to put it before your eyes, to put it next to your ears, really just getting it into you as much as you can. So it's like the whole making tea analogy where you yes, take a tea, tea bag, bag analogy. You can't just drop the tea bag in into the cup of hot water and pull it out. You don't have tea. You don't have tea. You don't have tea. Yeah. Um, I like the way we drank tea in China where you put the tea into the cup, you pour the hot water in the cup and you put the lid on, you let it seat, steep mm-hmm. and then you basically pick the cup up and you use the lid to brush back the tea leaves. Oh. And, and then you Drink and you and you continue to separate the tea leaves because they floated to the top from the tea that way. It's kind of an interesting way to do it. I mean, yeah. it's easy, not as easy as a Lipton iced tea bag, but yeah. <laughs> you know, well, I'm sure it tasted a lot better. It was, yeah, it was, <laughs> sure really, it was really good. Oh, it was so and amazing. probably really strong because the tea leaves weren't being blocked by any sort of bag or anything. <laughs> yeah, whenever I would go anywhere, I couldn't say much, but I could tell them I wanted white rice and 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 jasmine tea, fa cha. There you go. Yeah, bye fun, all That's all you really need to know. Uh huh. That's all you really need to know. Exactly. And then whatever else, it's a little bit of uh, I think it's ya or ya, which is fish, and you're good to go. Yeah, you're fine. Okay. Um, 
I think you laid some truth on me the other day about the sword of the spirit, which people you know say is the word of God. Mm-hmm. You laid some heavy truth on me. Let's take the last couple minutes and let's lay that truth on our on the on the folks that are listening and share this insight with them because I think it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about the armor of God, uh, anybody who ever did Sunday school, you probably had to do a little presentation with that, cut out the little pieces. Right, Ephesians 6. But, yeah, Ephesians 6. When people are asked which part of the armor of God is the Bible. Mm-hmm. People, sword of the Spirit. The sword, of the, the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. It right. says that. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here is an interesting truth. Though... If you look at the passage in Greek, the word that is used, the Greek word that's used for word is rhema. Oh. Which means the spoken or declared word, or declared right? word. So the sword of the spirit is the spoken declared word of God. The sword of the spirit is what we saw Jesus using against the enemy when he was being tempted. The spoken out words of scripture. The spoken truths of the Lord. Well, see, now I'm, now I'm all messed up because I've always, whenever I purchase a new Bible, I've always bought it based, bought it based on how hard could I hit somebody with it. Because I thought... <laughs> you thought that's how you're supposed uh, to use it. That's right. The club of conviction. The sword of the spirit. <laughs> I was supposed to, so I have to actually open it up and read it and speak it. And speak it out. Okay, now is this a name it and claim it kind of a thing? Not at all. What you're doing is just saying what is true not i'm gonna say this these special words and then something's gonna happen to me that's called witchcraft oh yeah just fyi to all you guys listening but it's a matter of when you're met with an untruth right when you're tempted by an untruth you can respond quickly with what is true so this is going back to that first example this is my little set where i determine if somebody is a good risk for a loan and it's not based on my my experiences or based on my preferences Mm -hmm. or based on my subconscious uh uh heuristics it's not based on any of that it's based on just fact yes and based on truth yes absolutely so sometimes truth might actually feel a little bit off because it's not what the culture tells us is true I think that many times, and increasingly so in our culture, what is true is going to seem off because it's going to be very different from what our culture is telling us. Love your enemies. Yeah. Bless those who persecute you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So the thing about the sword of the spirit is that the sword of the spirit is held in the belt of truth. Ooh. Because uh, at the time, this uh, Paul is describing what would have been basically a Roman soldier's uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and the belt of truth is uh, a really large leather piece that secures all of the other pieces of the armor. And it has, uh, I believe it's called a hilt mm-hmm. in the side, which is where you would put your sword. So this belt in, in the armor of God is called the belt of truth. We know that the Bible tells us time and time again that the word of God is the truth. Mm. So the belt of truth is the word of God. The belt of truth is the knowledge of the truth, the knowledge of God's word. And from that belt of truth, you can then draw the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken, declared word of God, our only offensive weapon that is listed in that passage. And if you want to see an expert example of masterful swordsmanship, go to Jesus' 
in Matthew 4 in the wilderness. Yes. And watch how the enemy sends an attack and Jesus parries and thrusts with his, mm -hmm. by the spoken, declared word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because off, uh, there wasn't a New Testament back then, so Jesus couldn't just smack him with it. <laughs> yeah, that's the only <laughs> would have been easier. It would have been easier, though, right? Because the world tells us someone hits you, hit them back. The world yeah. tells us someone lies to you, get them back. Jesus tells us, turn the other cheek. Mm. Jesus tells us, forgive. Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. All of these things that are so countercultural, and not even just countercultural, but are so opposed to our natural inclinations as people because we have sin nature which means that there are things that we want to do that we feel are right that are not right and that we should not do so we have to be grounded in the scripture we have to have the belt of truth keeping all things together the word of god securing everything for us so that we can line align everything with what scripture says you know, what's interesting is, to me at least, is that when you think about uh, what were the things that we're saying, at the core of them is faith over fear. Mm, because, absolutely. absolutely. Because fear says, demand your rights. Fear says, don't want somebody to get one over on you. Fear says, you know, I, I can't trust. I can't hope. I can't love. And, and it has all of these reasons why you can't. But faith says... Trust what God says is true, even if it doesn't feel true. Trust mm. what God says is true, even if the world says it's not true. So when the world tells you you're not a real man unless you know you've had sex with 20 women before you're married, the the word tells you something entirely different, right? That right. And so, and so knowing that my feelings, the heart is deceitful above all things, my feelings can really lead me away because fear dominates my feelings. But if I act in faith, if I act in truth, if I draw the sword of the Spirit to do combat against the things that come against me, against my flesh, against my life, and try to stimulate my fear, I can respond in faith and I can respond in truth. Yes, and that is our... That is our only hope of knowing what is true or not true, knowing how to sort through the lies that our culture is telling us, knowing how to move forward in this world. Our only hope is for us to be rooted in Scripture, abiding in Christ through engaging with Him in His Word. Yeah, and I would just finish by saying that I think we see this in the persecuted church because they don't have a lot of things competing with the Word. That's true. They, they don't have cable TV. They don't have, cable they don't have you know, they right. don't have all these leisure activities and things that we do. Yeah, we we used to the joke in, in Cuba, they'd say every house has a TV but none of them work. <laughs> so Yeah, there you go. You know, um so we need to recognize that, that that the people that we see who really have a grasp on this and who are really grounded in this of living their life in the truth of the word of God and who have this intrinsic sense of what is true and what is not true by simply being and soaking in the word so much, they should be our example in this area. Mm -hmm. And that we can know that what they can do, we can do as well. Our lives are probably infinitely more complicated uh, and, the, and the sources of dis, our deception and lies are even are much greater and much more pervasive than yeah. theirs are. But we don't have the threat of death or jail or not being able to eat and things like that that they contend with as well. So we're we're blessed, but we've got to figure this thing out and start building our lives on the word of God and stop building it on the word of man. 
Absolutely. Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we want to know how to live our lives, we want to know how to live in truth, we've got to be in his word. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.